Hey, what is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 22 of Rockin' at the Jake. I am Zach Martin, and always with me is Tom Matheny. Tom, pretty big day, man. How are you feeling about how are you feeling about tonight? We got our brownies in about you know 45 minutes. Like, how are you feeling about it, man? Um, if I didn't think it would sound really awful on our podcast, I'd probably have the paper bag sitting next to me right now, but. <laughs> I uh, no, no, it's uh, it's it's gonna be a good game, you know. I think regardless of the outcome, it's important for first off the team just to get this level of playoff experience mm-hmm. because, well, any playoff experience because you don't have a lot of guys who have that kind of depth, and you want these guys to understand that if the winning culture is going to happen, they're still going to be moments where things don't go well, but. Enough about that. Uh, how are you doing, man? Uh, doing good, man. You know, just chilling. Just had a couple fancy hockey drafts today. Um, just getting ready for the Browns game, man. But excited for the show tonight. It's going to be a short one because um, the you know the Browns game being on in a little while. But we got a special guest, and I think he's our first first three timer. First three timer, yeah. And uh, Amari McPherson, man. Welcome once again to the podcast. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, today should be a very interesting episode coming off of, uh, you know, the news earlier this week. Um, also, go Brownies. Can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to a win today. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, ho- yeah hopefully you get a win. And, you know, it's it's definitely been a wild, crazy week for sure. So we might as well just jump into it now. Um, so if you've been living under a rock, which being Cleveland Indians fans – Pretty much, we don't do because you know we you know follow this team really closely. Um, it's finally happened, boys. We know where Francisco Lindor is going to go play. He's now officially a New York Met, which it's, it's kind of been known that that's probably where the one of the landing spots is going to be. And he's officially gone. And also, unfortunately, he wasn't the only Indian to go to to the to the Queens area as uh, fan favorite Carlos Carrasco is also left. So we lost one of our well-known and beloved rotation guys and we lost Francisco Lindor and we got Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Isaiah Green, and Josh Wolf in the deal. And basically the Dolans now have completely just <clears throat> shedded the entire payroll to about $35 million, which we'll get to later on, but Tom, what were your initial thoughts, man, of just hearing that news just drop out of nowhere that this deal happened and we you know, traded Frankie and Carlos Carrasco to the, uh, to the Mets? Well, Frankie, you know, was coming. You know, that wasn't the big indicator to me. That wasn't the yeah. part of that that kind of surprised me. And we had mm-hmm. talked about this at oh, least on mm-hmm. two or three episodes where mm-hmm. – Carrasco could be going too, but mm-hmm. it was it was the way in which Carrasco went. You got yeah. rid of a guy who's worth who's going to make twenty four million dollars over the next two seasons, mm-hmm. who's been with the team through a lot of different seasons, mm-hmm. and if there was ever a moment where you felt like they had really just given up 
we don't have anybody making over ten million dollars now. Uh, we we uh, we don't actually have a guy making over nine and a half million to put to put that in some, some larger perspective. Right. No one's no one's even getting nine and a half. So that's yes. that's what I mean. Yeah. You know the rebuild is on, which is a little puzzling. Why Terry Francona came back because they brought Terry in to win World Series rings. You don't bring Terry Francona in to manage a rebuilder. You know, why do you think Tony La is going to keep his job for the White Sox, you know, in his second stint with the team? You bring a guy like that in to win championships. You don't bring a guy like that in to manage a team of nobodies. Yeah, it's, yeah, the Carlos Carrasco things, I think Amari was on that episode when we first brought up Carlos Carrasco probably moving on. And, you know, Amari, I know you said something on that episode where Carlos Carrasco would be the, you know, the veteran on the team, and now he's gone. Like, what are your thoughts? I know you pretty much, like everyone else, has known that Frankie was going to go, but I, you had to be shocked with Carlos Carrasco moving on. Like, what are your thoughts overall about this trade? Yeah, I think the, the Frankie news, like you said earlier, if you if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that this Frankie news was going to come at some point. Mm-hmm. So that part was a little bit bittersweet, just because, like, wow, it's it he's actually gone now, so we don't have to worry about you know week in and week out what the Indians are going to do. Mm-hmm. But the for the Carlos Carrasco news to come out of nowhere shortly after the the Lindor news was kind of like, why don't you kick us while we're down? Because, as we mentioned earlier, Carrasco is going to be probably the only veteran leader in that clubhouse. Um, he's still productive at his age. I think he's about 34 years old or so. Um, he's a fan favorite. So, I mean, I think one thing that I would like to know is whether or not the Mets asked for Carrasco or if the Indians just decided to throw him in. Because, you know, they're trying to shed payroll and – He's making over ten million this year, I believe. Twelve. Um, yeah, he's making twelve. Oh yeah. So I mean, the Carrasco news was kind of a, a punch to the gut because it seemed unnecessary. I mean, we have a pretty young clubhouse and a, even a young rotation. So why would you trade a guy who's been in this rotation or been on this team for over ten years? I mean, he. I think he absolutely deserved to retire as a Cleveland Indian, and that can still happen. Mm-hmm. But for him to no longer be on the team, I think he was one of those guys that you expected to be on the team for his entire career. I mean, we've seen Carlos Santana leave and come back. Um, we've seen Rajay Davis leave and come back. We've seen Kenny Lofton leave and come back. We've seen Jim Tony leave and come back. But I think Carrasco was one of those guys that he – I think it was unnecessary to move him. I don't see any real pros in moving him maybe other than shedding his – Twelve million dollar contract, but yeah, I think it was a punch to the gut because I, I just think it was unnecessary at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it. I and mean, we just said it in passing because you know guys over at Selby Godcast with Zoopy and Meisel they talked about it too, and even they said that this is purely just a contract shedding move, get a move in Carrasco because, I mean, maybe the Mets did ask for him because of what all the other guys we got in it because we did get basically our probably our future infield up-the-middle duo, and we got a number nine prospect in Josh Wolf, 
and a number 10 prospect in Isaiah Green. So maybe that could have been it. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it it still doesn't make any sense why they would do that. And it basically just shows that the Dolans are trying to save as much money as they can. And now we have the lowest payroll in baseball. It's just – I mean, we all, we all knew the Franklin Lindor news was going to happen, and now we're finally over that. But then, you know, Zuppi and Meisel over on their podcast even said, too, like, is this going to be the same thing we're going to be dealing with with Jose Ramirez next year or the year after? And then are we going to deal with this with Shane Bieber? It's going to get to the point where it's like we got to stop being a team that's going to have these all these really good guys that are going to get too good and we have to get rid of them because we don't want to pay them. And it's it's like you need to fill a team that's going to be competitive. And if you look if you look at our line just at our lineup, past Jose Ramirez. We have kind of a we don't we don't know what Josh Naylor is going to fully do because he got hot with like what a week left in the season and in the playoffs and Framo Reyes is, he was good for about a month and that was about it. Past that, I mean we are going to talk about Rosario and Jimenez here in a little bit, but outside of those two guys and probably Hosey, who knows what our lineup's going to be like? I mean, and I know. I'm arguing our rotation is pretty young. Everyone on our rotation is 25 years old or less. So Tristan McKenzie is the youngest guy in our rotation. Cal's 20, Cal Quantrill's 25, Savali's 25, Polisak's 25, and Bieber's 25. The good thing about that is, though, they're all locked into contracts from either in 2025 or 2026, but, I mean... Tom, we, we've talked about this a number of times. Like, I know you want to try to save money here and there, but wouldn't you think at some point that like, you have to have a team that's going to be competitive? And, and just, I mean, like I mentioned about the lineup, like outside of Jose Ramirez, how do you even feel about this lineup going into next year with a lot of question marks right now? Well, Even with Jose Ramirez, I want to see more consistency. Mm-hmm. I want to see more consistency out of Fran Mil Reyes. Like I don't care if he can field. I don't want Fran Mil Reyes in my batting order because he can field his position really well. I don't care. I've seen that dude hit a baseball over a, a pickup truck in center field. Like that's what I that's what I want out of that guy. I don't really care how he fields. I don't care. You've got other guys who can do that. You're gonna have to find something to do with a, a Jake Bowers or a Bobby Bradley. Mm-hmm. And with the outfield guys you have, you're not playing Fran Neal in the outfield. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you got Naylor, yeah. you got Mercado, you got Zimmer, you know, Daniel Johnson. Maybe Nolan Jones. It's hard to say what's going to happen to Nolan Jones now. I mean, especially because so many of those guys were probably counting on those middle infield spots being open for the taking. But a guy like Tyler Freeman shouldn't be scared of that. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, at this point, you don't think Yu Chang's going to be the super utility guy and Freeman and Owen Miller and all those guys are going to be in AAA next year. At this point, yeah, just 
just keep you chained up and make him the super utility guy. Yeah. That's the only thing I can, I can see now because there's no point in bringing those other guys up because Rosario's only 25 and um, Jimenez is only 22. So now you've really just locked jammed your in a, a middle infield even more now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you could also look at it as a way of I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder for a moment, and I'm gonna be the optimistic and hopeful guy. Mm-hmm. You've got those all those guys. You can parlay that into trading for a name. Because now you have cap space. You know you have cap space. You have plenty of middle infield guys to deal. You could turn that into somebody. Do I think that's what's going to happen? No. Of course not. I'm a Cleveland sports fan. No. No. But it feels better than thinking that, you know, well, we're just going to hang on to these guys and maybe they'll turn into something and maybe they'll play for someone else after they get rule five out of Cleveland. Yeah, because it's just – like, I know it's going to give them more time to get in the minor leagues and stuff like that, but, I mean, Amari, man, like, given what we've seen now with the fact of, you know, the outfield situation and now the middle infield situation just got a little bit more interesting with the fact that you pretty much got Jimenez and Rosario playing second and short, but then you have all these guys in the shortstop position. I mean, do you agree with Tom that maybe at some point we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys that we've basically held on to maybe get moved for something in the future? Or do you think the Indians are going to try to find a way to hold on to them and maybe just use Rosario and Jimenez as stop gaps for a couple seasons? I think they should definitely use Rosario. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, even a couple of weeks ago, the last time I was on here, we mentioned that if Lindor were to go to the Mets and turned out that's what happened, that Rosario was one of the guys that, I think we should get back to the turn. I think he's a pretty good player. But mm-hmm. I think I mostly agree with Tom that, you know, that they're kind of going to be – they could be – they could get playing time and it could be almost kind of like an audition that if they do well, maybe we could move them on. Maybe they get rule five out. Who knows? Uh, we could trade mm-hmm. them for not necessarily a proven piece, but maybe a, a higher-rated prospect. Um, but I can also see the Indians holding on to them and having a similar Gio Urshela, um, Eric Gonzalez situation where you have multiple guys that are pretty much the same position and you just kind of have to figure out who you want to move forward with. Um, yeah. I think with this team, there's a bunch of unknowns, um, infield and outfield, because we have a pretty crowded outfield and there's only three spots. Um, guys with injury problems, um, lackluster offensive production. Um, I've also been hearing that Nolan Jones could possibly be getting time in the outfield. Um, so I, you just, I think it's just hard to kind of tell right now because they've already come out and said pretty much that they don't want to move Jose Ramirez back to second. So they're going to mm-hmm. get third, which blocks Nolan Jones. So what are we going to do then? So um, I, I can really see this team kind of going either way. I hate to Edge my bets and, and sit on the fence, but I, we really don't know what they're going to do because this team is so young that I think they kind of have to figure out first the pieces that they have and how good they are, and then move from there. Whether whether or not they want to keep them or move them for mm-hmm. a better player, you know. So yeah, it 
it definitely makes it interesting with what it's going to happen in the future. Because with Nolan Jones, they've been talking about putting him in the outfield in the first base, but then you look at that's what we're doing with Josh Naylor. Same with Jake Bowers, and who knows what those, who knows what they're going to do with Jake Bowers. And I'm a Jake Bowers uh, fan, actually, so I would love to see him on this team. Same with Bobby Bradley. Yeah. They both play first base, and it's like, well, if Bobby Bradley isn't going to play first base, are you going to DH him? And if you DH him, what are you going to do with Reyes? Are you going to put him back in the outfield? What are you going to do? So it's really a back and forth of what you want to do because I feel like there's no there's no given, there's no true positive outcome. You just kind of have to deal with what you have. It's just a lot of chaotic neutral yeah, because, situations. Pretty much. Yeah, because Framel Reyes says he still wants to play defense. The Indians have been thinking about playing him in defense. I mean, they're talking about putting him at first base and the outfield. And if Framel Reyes becomes the first baseman for the Indians and also plays DH, and that's really going to bo- that's going to block Bobby Bradley, mm-hmm. and that's going to make things interesting. Then they're going to make Jake Bowers mostly play the outfield. Then so you're basically swapping outfielder, of, you know, first baseman and outfielder and stuff like that. And it's just. Like I said, there's just so many question marks with this team, and I know we're probably going to do a season, you know, a season preview and prediction show later on, like when we get closer to spring training and whenever you know that is, whenever the season's going to start. But it kind of makes you wonder of what is going to happen with this team and how we're going to do this year. Because I mean, Rosario is pretty decent, and so is I mean, Venice has only played one season in the majors, and you know, Naylor was. You know, he got, you know, pretty hot at the like at the end of the season. Uh, you know, JRM was pretty streaky and so was Fran Mill. I mean, just talking about the guys we did get, like I said, Andre Semenes, he's 22, you know, bats le- uh, left, throws right. He, uh, in 118 plate appearances last year, which is his entire career, he hit 263 with three home runs, 12 RBIs, eight stolen bases, has an OPS of 732. I've heard that this guy's supposed to be like accumulative to like eighty percent of what Francisco Lindor was. If he's eighty percent of what Frankie was, then okay, then I'm here for it. At least it's something. And at least it's something to look forward to with the fact that maybe we do have a guy that could maybe have a career that, you know, he could be at at a certain level of what Frankie could do. Don't know that's gonna happen, who knows? And then you look at him at Rosario, he's twenty five, you know, bats rights, throws right. Um, last year, 143 uh, plate appearances, 252 average, four home runs, 15 RBIs, and a 643 OPS. For he's a 268 career hitter with 32 home runs, 148 RBIs, 50 stolen bases, and a .705 OPS. I mean, Amari, like, what do you think of Rosario and Jimenez, kind of being those new guys now? And do you think that Jimenez? given the fact that we've heard that he could be eight, just 80% of what Frankie used to be. Does that give you some optimism that maybe Jimenez was the key piece in that trade? And then we also got Rosario because of Carrasco. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm fine with, with that. If you're going to be 80% of Frankie Lindora, I mean, that's still a pretty good player. So I think mm-hmm. in trading somebody like Frankie Lindor, you're not really going to get, you know, he's, basically an A-plus player. He's at least an A player. Somebody of his talent, you're not going to get one for one. You know, it's not going to be a movie. So if we get somebody back that's 80% of him, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to take that all day. And um, like I also said, I'm 
perfectly fine with Rosario, even if he is going to be a stopgap. I'm fine with them being the pieces up the middle. Um, just coming off of a couple years from, I mean, people, people they bash Jason Kipnis, but, I mean, he was a two-time All-Star. He had his moment. So you're replacing him and Frankie Lindor. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty rough. Those are kind of big shoes to fill. So I am okay with it at yeah. the end of the day. I don't know what the alternative would have been. So I think we kind of mm-hmm. also kind of have to take take it as what it is. But I will say I do definitely think they should have taken that Dodgers trade a year ago. I know hindsight is absolutely oh, yeah. Yeah, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but when I heard that news come out about the Dodgers, I I said take it because who was it, Verdugo in that trade? He ended up going to Boston. Um I think he would be- uh it was, I think it was a Corey Seager and Gavin Yeah, Watts. I would take that. I would definitely take that. Um, and obviously. No, yeah, well, because, yeah, because you would have had your, yeah, because you had your shortstop and second baseman of the future. Exactly. So, but yeah. yeah. To, to so, fill Lindor's shoes, that's going to be pretty rough. But if you're going to be 80% of what yeah. he was, I think Cleveland will take that mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about Isaiah Green and. Josh Wolf. I mean, Josh Wolf is a right-handed pitcher. Tenth, he was just picked up in the 2020 draft this year, so he hasn't really played any pro ball yet. And he was the number nine prospect in the Mets system. And Isaiah Green is an outfielder who's number ten in their system. We don't. I mean, we can speculate as much as we want on the outfielder on those prospects, but at this point, who really knows? So, um. Just real quick, Tom, what are your thoughts about a potential like with Jimenez being 80% of what Frankie is as a player? I don't care if you've got 80% of the talent of somebody. I'm one of those guys that's uh, – I'm not necessarily always awestruck by talent. Mm-hmm. I, I like the guys who make the plays because they work hard. I, I was talking to my dad about this the other night, you know, during – 2016, because I that was a year that I was actually home and could watch the Indians. You know, I spent all of, almost all of 2015's baseball season at Fort Benning with no cell phone to watch games. 2016, I was home. In 2017, I was overseas, and you wouldn't believe how much the Armed Forces Network doesn't play the Indians. But anyway, in 2016 he was always a highlight. Every time you turn on Sports Center, there's a Lindor highlight. There's a Lindor highlight all year long. Mm-hmm. You get to 2018 and you're starting to see it less. In 2019, you didn't see it as much as you did the year before. In 2020, his highlights were striking out. Okay, he's going to make his occasional, you know, oh, good Lord, look what this guy can do with a glove play. And even then, he didn't have that many chances for that. And granted, short season, you know, whatever. Uh, at this point, I don't care how he compares to Francisco Lindor. Zandres Jimenez, he's not Francisco Lindor. I want to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I don't care how he looks in comparison to Francisco Lindor. I don't care how you know Rosario could look in comparison to a Jason Kipnis or 
a Cesar Hernandez. I don't care. They're their own player. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to put up their kind of numbers because to me, I, I agree with Amari in that I think Francisco Lindor is at least a level talent. Mm-hmm. An A graded talent, excuse me. I agree with that. But there's something missing. You don't go from the player that you are, or in 2015, 2016, and 2017, to being a guy who's entering the prime of your career and your numbers are on a serious backslide. That's that. You don't do that. That doesn't happen. So, so to me, there's something not quite right there. And part of it, I think, is his hitting approach. I think if you can get Lindor to stop stop pretending like he's got to put the team on his shoulders and crank one out every game. If Rosario and Jimenez don't hit like that, I'll love those guys. I'll love them because they're, they're going. They're going to let the guys who are supposed to be trying to hit the home runs try to hit the home runs. I don't need to see yeah. him strike out three times a game. I'm bored with that. That we just sent that guy to the Mets. I'm fine with losing that guy. Mm-hmm. But can you get consistent hits? Can you get on base? Can you do the things it takes to beat a team? You know, think about how many times you watch a game on you know Sports Time Ohio, or you watch or you listen to a game that Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus call on the radio. What is their magic number of runs that they have to score to win a game? Four. Four runs. Lindor's going for the single shot every time. Single shot don't get you there. But if you can get things mm-hmm. going to, to get to the point where you can get guys across, you're going to get to your four runs. Sure, solo blasts are going to happen. That's always an exciting part of the game. But I don't, I don't need that. That's not what's yeah. going to make this team successful. This team is going to what's going to make this team successful and turn around people's perceptions of them is having guys put together good major league at bats, having guys go through the order once or twice, have guys get four or five at bats in a game, quality. Yeah. That's what's going to change mm-hmm. this team and really show you what some of these other teams have been missing. I don't necessarily think that Chernoff and Antonetti are to blame either. I feel really bad for those guys because no, they're getting they're dragged all over no. the world on behalf of the Dolans. Yeah. And that's what and that's what fans didn't realize is that it's not the GM who can, who controls the budget and the payroll. He has to work with what he got. The Dolan said the goal was to trade Frankie before spring tra- before opening day. They got done before spring training, so that's basically what Antony and Chernoff had to deal with. And I'm really tired of people blaming them. It, it's on the Dolans, and that's what it is. I mean, then if you look at the 2016 team, Danny Vietti um, of CBS Sports Baseball, CBS MLB, he put out the entire roster from the 2016 team. Guys with Young Gomes, Mike Napoli, Jason Kipnis, Lindor, J-Ram, Rajay Davis, Tyler Naquin, Chisenhall, Carlos Santana, Michael Brantley was on the DL. Think if he was on the roster that you know for that World Series team. You had Kluber, Bauer, Tomlin, 
Carrasco, Danny Salazar, even Mike Clevenger is a reliever, Zach McAllister is a reliever, Brian Shaw, Dan Otero, Jeff Manship, Jabba Chamberlain, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and here are your reserves. Marlon Byrd, Juan Uribe, Juan Uribe, Abraham Almonte, Roberto Perez, Michael Martinez, Brandon Geyer, and Coco Crisp. At least don't say Brandon Geyer's name like that. Like, at least put a little respect on the name, not like, dear God, why did we end up with this guy? Oh, I'm not. No, I know. I said Brandon Geyer. I'm not mad about that. No, Brandon Geyer's a great guy, and you know, I wish he was <laughs> – I'd prefer having him right now in our outfield, to be honest. But there's only two guys left on, the, on that roster that's with the team now, and that's Roberto Perez, who was a reserve, mm-hmm. and, Jose, and, and Jose Ramirez at third base. That's it. Those are the only two guys left on this team from the 16 team. And you look at that 16 team, and like, man, you see where that team is until now. It's it's mind blowing and where we're at. I mean, like we talked about the '95 team, you're like this team is fantastic. You look at the '16 team, you're like, geez, we actually had a pretty solid team, and you had a bunch of really good guys in the bullpen, and you had some guys in the reserves. You're like, I can't believe we had those guys, and like, well, look where they got to now. It's just crazy to think, and you know. We talked about this a little while ago. I mean, Amari, we're going into the season with a $35 million payroll, and Jose Ramirez at 9.4 is the highest-paid player on the team. And Roberto Perez is the second-highest-paid player at 5.5. And And we even talked about maybe the Indians wouldn't even pick up his 5.5. So, I mean, if you you look at it, you're talking $14.9 million of this $35 million is with those two guys. They're almost, they're almost getting your, they're almost half of our payroll, and they're not even making over nine and a half. Like, what are your thoughts of just how insane it is to see where the payroll is at now compared to just two seasons ago, where it was like a hundred million dollars, where it was like a hundred and thirty something million dollars? Take Amari first. Like, Take Amari doing? first on this one. That's why. That's what. That's that's why I said. Like, that's why I'm asking Amari. Like, Amari, what are your thoughts about just where this this payroll is at right now? At thirty-five, with the guys who the two highest guys are not even making over nine and a half million, and one's not even making over six. Yeah, I think I think fans try to defend the Dolan sometimes. Obviously, not a lot because the payroll is a disgrace. But I think when your your team payroll is two million dollars less than a single player. And the player in question is Mike Trout, who's making $37 million. I think that is the definition of a disgrace because I think you're doing your fans a disservice because you, people complain about the Indians not having a great attendance record and all these things. But when you don't put the effort in to building a team that people can come out and cheer for 81 times a year, then what are you doing? Because at least if the fans come out, you're getting attendance revenue, you're getting concessions revenue, but they're not. It seems like they're not putting any effort into making this team a consistent winner. Um, I saw it on Twitter the other day. I kind of saw it in passing, so I don't know who tweeted it, and I hope the information that I'm about to say is right. But I saw something that said that when they bought the team, 
within two years, they were, I believe, top, at least top 10 to near the bottom. They had slashed payroll so much, and this is reminiscent of that because it's about to be the 2021 season. Just five years ago, we were in the World Series. Now, how many people could say that they saw us being in the World Series? I know I couldn't, and I'm an Indians fan. And then they go out and sign yeah. Edwin Carnacion to a nice deal, whatever. They they try to spell the rumors of them not really wanting to spend money. But I think when you when you own a team, I think it is your duty as an owner. Obviously, don't go bankrupt trying to put money into the team. It's gonna make you money. Yeah, but to own a team and to just sit there and not do anything with it. I think the Nolans deserve, nearly deserve, almost all of the criticism that they're getting because they will never come out and say that they don't want to contend. But maybe in private, if you're the general manager and they're telling you these things in private, it really handcuffs your ability to go out and find a trade for someone like Francisco Lindor being a small market team to where you feel at the end of the day, it was a win-win for both teams. That Lindor trade was not a win-win for both teams. That was a win for the Mets. Now, yes, they still have to deal with Francisco Lindor's playoff woes, but at least they're probably going to make the playoffs. The playoffs this year. The, <laughs> Who knows what the Indians are going to be? Yeah, this, and this, the, thing, the thing with the Indians is just that I, I've seen a lot of people tweeting like execs were like, you don't make that move. Like the Indians got completely fleeced in that deal because you gave up Lindor and Carrasco for two guys who are really indifferent, like who are, yeah, they're 25 and 22, but who knows what they're going to do. And you got two prospects out of it. It's just, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what the Indians do. And like you said, it's like the Dolans, they're almost treating like this team as like their main source of income where you see all these other owners who are making money in their, in their actual jobs and they just own the team as a hobby. It seems like the Dolans own this team as – it's like that's their main income because, yeah, they are from Cleveland and they're lawyers, but it's like that's why they're looking for minority owners. That's really hard to do now because the minority owner that he did have is now the owner of the Royals, who is basically – was doing all doing all those payrolls because that's stealing the my, you, there you I go. Was I was say, you're stealing my thunder there, you dog. Hey, give me a second. I was gonna tell. <laughs> I was gonna say you brought. It I up. always, Jeez, I always man. bring it up. It's something that people have yeah, to know. They know. I, I know. That's why I was gonna say something about it. My word. So, so what? So what are your thoughts about this payroll situation, Tom? Um, I. It's really hard to stomach, especially when there's one player or two players, really. I mean, they, Amari or Zach, one of you can answer this. Doesn't Machado also make more or about the same per year? Or is it Harper? Uh, yeah, I was going to say both, both of them. And, and, and Machado's in San Diego. That's not a big market either. No. And uh, oh, and also, um, they're talking about giving Tatis an eleven-year, three hundred twenty-five million dollar exactly. extension. Just a 
just to add that all, just to add that little piece there too. They're talking about that extension, and and also don't forget they also have that Hosmer extent that Hosmer contract that they also have too. So, and they just traded yeah. for you Darvish and Blake Snell. They still have Mike Clevenger. Mm-hmm. So they're looking pretty good right now. Yep, and they still and they you know Chris Paddock and all the other guys they have in their. Rotation and they got you know Cronenworth and Will Myers and I think Nola is their catcher. So yeah, I know they have a they have a solid squad. Oh, and they still have Tommy yeah. Pham. <laughs> so yeah, the Padres are going to be a force. So yeah, and let's don't forget too that the Brewers are also another small market team who actually paid Christian Yelich. So it's not like small market teams can't pay players unless you're clean. but. Oh yeah, unless you're Cleveland, but Tom. So, continue what you were saying about the you know bring up the contracts and stuff. The flip side of it is, how long has it been since Trout's been in the playoffs? Once, and it was years ago. Yeah, well, because I'm also an Angels fan, so I can tell you that they have no pitching. Well, there we go. They have they have no pitching. They have have no no one else. Okay, they have Rendon. Cool. Like And Pujols and oh, cool. uh, Adele. Cool. And Marsh. And the and okay. Pujols. I'm so glad you brought his name up. I'm so glad you brought his name up. He's, he's a, yes, he's a fantastic reason about why you don't make these deals. They're they're stupid. And I love Miguel Cabrera for for a guy who has spent the better part of his career playing for the Detroit Tigers. I love Miggy. And it was a terrible contract. It worked for the first couple of years. But they're stuck with him. They had to, right. They had to jettison. Think about the guys they had to jettison because they couldn't pay them because they were paying Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez, which people kind of forget that they paid Victor Martinez a shit ton of money because he's not Miguel Cabrera. You think about it. They had to jettison Verlander. They had to jettison Scherzer. Um, yeah. There's so many of these guys they had to get rid of Can't because be they couldn't pay those guys. It's the same situation. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, get what I get what you're trying to say, man. It's just – it's – like I said – in my in my time of you know in life, I've never seen our payroll this low ever. And honestly, it just feels like it's going to be our rotate. It's like you basically got to rely on our, on our our pitchers to pitch and give up no more than like three runs a game. Because, like we said, outside of Jose Ramirez, is there anyone else in our lineup that you feel good about? that's going to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, Jimenez has only played one season. Ahmed Rosario is a 265 career hitter. And he swipes, you know, a few bags here and there, but... At least he hit more than Lindor did last year. But the 265 is probably <laughs> better than a lot of guys on the True. right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Like I said, the outfield is still a bunch of question marks. Infield outside of Jose is a bit. But you're narrowing, you you're narrowing it down. 
Like you're starting to whittle it down at least. It's not like you're going into this season going, yeah, boys, we got 10 outfielders we can play. We have no idea. They have no idea who was going to play outfield last season. At least you've only got four guys now. Maybe five. Five, maybe six. Uh, you have Naylor. Luplo, I'm sorry, dude. Mercado, is Zimmer. I love Jordan Luplo. Nope. He's under contract. Luplo is Brandon Geyer. No, Brandon Geyer is who Luplo was supposed to be. Uh, yeah, but they're really the same player. The Indians, the Indians love Luplo, and he's I, like he's under contract. I love Luplo. I, I love Luplo, but I don't think they're going to keep him. You can't keep him. You can't keep a guy who can't hit 200 consistently. You can't keep a. You shouldn't have outfielders who don't hit over 230 consistently. If he's not hitting the ball out 35 times, then and hitting 230 or less. 35, dude. We need a guy who just hits 20 out at least. You have that <laughs> with 35 with Fraudmill. Out of the rest of the outfield, you have Josh Naylor. That kid, I have high hopes for him. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, we have high hopes for him. And you got to hope that Daniel Johnson is the guy that the Indians traded Jan Gomes for because he, at the time, he was the number one prospect for the Nationals. Of course, he hasn't cracked the roster yet, but he might have a chance this year. But like I said, you have Johnson, Reyes, Luplo, Naylor, Mercado, Zimmer, that's six. Bowers makes seven. And Jones might make eight. You're going to have at least at least seven guys. Well, it turns out it hasn't gotten narrowed down at turn, all. I was wrong. But yeah, you're looking at seven, maybe eight guys. Well, it's organizational decisions, and you're going to start to see some more of these chips start to fall as time goes on. They're going to have to move on from these guys. You're going to see Bradley Zimmer getting non-tendered. You're going to see a Jordan Luplo get non-tendered. You're going to see – I know this might break your heart, Zach. You might see Oscar Mercado get non-tendered if he doesn't start turning things around. <laughs> You're, I'm, I mean, Oscar Mercado is, is the least of my worries. Right it's now, ironic, isn't it? He's a, yeah, he's had, he's had a decent second half of a season. Twice. Twice. Okay, I'm not I'm – not, <laughs> No, that was one time because that was 2019. You do have a – 2020 was – You do have a lot of question marks, though. You're completely right. Yeah, so I'm saying Arsenal Carl had a back half of one season that was decent. And other than that, it's been a really bad – it's been bad. Zimmer's been mostly hurt the entire time. Framil Reyes is mostly a DH. Like you said, Luplo – He's not consistent. Josh Naylor got hot at the right time with about a week left in the season in the playoffs. Dale Johnson has had no shot at the major league level. Jake Bowers was at the alternate side. Are we, is that season. confirmed, by the way? Is confirmed. that confirmed? Was he actually there? Yeah, he was there. So, oh, that's awesome. I'm, that's awesome. Sorry, I was just getting a Browns update from my dad. Uh, oh, what happened? Fumble recovery for a touchdown for the Browns. Uh, on the first, on the very first play of the oh, game, the center snapped the ball over Ben's head, and we recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. 
But anyway, that's not what, oh, that's not what we're here for. There you go. I can see him from where I'm sitting recording this, yeah. and I just see him start to get excited. Then his arms go straight up, and I was like, oh, something good happened. I got to take the cans off for a moment. Uh, yeah, right. But, but yeah, no, it's just – and then you look at the infield. Who knows what's going to happen with Bobby Bradley? He hasn't got any time at all. Bebo's got to make a comeback. Austin Hedges has to have a good – you know, full season with the team. It's just, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, Amari, man, like, like, how do you feel overall? If you, if you're looking at this team right now, do you have any optimism at all that the Indians might make the playoffs? Or are we talking like somewhere between 500 and maybe I'm 90 thinking, wins this year? Yeah. With, with know, the way things are right, right now, now, I think your, your pitching just like last year is going to be your strong suit. So I think, um, I could see seventy-ish mm-hmm. wins. I think, I think maybe eighty-two, eighty-three would be their ceiling, um, just because the Twins are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're not going anywhere, and the White Sox are still improving. Um, so I think, yeah. So yeah. I think White Sox we're a third so place better. team at best. Um, I think they can finish above five hundred, but like I said, I think. 82 to 83 is their ceiling. Um, like we said, there's, there's a lot of question marks. We just really don't know sitting here in January. Um, we just kind of got to flesh out everything. Yeah. Uh, what, what what players are actually going to be on the Major League roster this year, um, how they do, how they perform. Do they get off to a hot start? Do they start slow and then catch up? Um it's just really going to be a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Not everybody says they Ramirez where you can start slow, get hot, and then make the MVP conversation. Um, and I think the offense is definitely going to be on Jose's shoulders. Um, if Reyes can can continue to build off of last year, um, for a lot of the year, he was hitting well over 300. So I think if he can improve, mm-hmm. if Oscar Mercado, who hit about 270-ish his rookie year, he was in the rookie of the year conversation. Um, I think it's definitely going to be on their shoulders. And if, if they don't get it done, then this team isn't going to get it done because pitching can only get you so far. Uh, you know, pitching can give can give up only two or three runs, but if the offense scores none or one run, we're going to lose every time. So I think it's just going to be a rough year overall. Yeah, I – yeah, I have a bad feeling our our starters are going to get worked and our bullpen is just Yeah, I think Jose, he's going to start at some point. I'm not going to say it's going to be his entire season, but at some point, and we've seen it before. And, you know, players are human. We've seen it with pretty much every player. We've seen it with, uh, you know, Lindor, especially during the playoffs. And that's not me trying to take a shot at him. That's just the reality of what it is. We've seen him. We've seen Jose. They start pressing because mm-hmm. they feel they need to get they need to get it done. They need to drive these two runs in instead of just getting the base hit and keeping the line moving. Uh, and if if and when that happens, we're going to yeah. be in a lot of trouble offensively. Yeah, That's no, when he starts I to mean, struggle Tom, the most I mean, I is when he starts to press. Exactly. And yeah. I, think the, I think the spade that you called about Lindor was fantastic. It's a fantastic spade to call because when he starts to press – and he spent the better part of the last two and a half years pressing. He doesn't have fun, and he's not a highlight reel anymore. And when you have to lean yeah, on Jose Ramirez like that, 
he's good for you in spurts, but you don't let him get into a rhythm. And you're going to need a guy like Naylor to get it going. You're going to need Rosario or Jimenez to get something going. You're going to need Tronmil to get it going. You're going to need Bebo to hit more than 200, and hopefully he can be healthy this year. That's why I think one of my biggest Christmas wish lists for him or New Year's resolutions is, you know, he can be healthy moving forward. Yeah, we need another 20-plus home run season out of him. Yeah, I mean. That would be very helpful. So, Tom, what like I asked Amari, I know we're going to do a season preview show when we get closer to the actual season, but right now in January, where do you see the Indians possibly win-wise at this point if we do nothing else with this roster? On January 10th at 8.22 p.m., I think we're an 86-win team at best. I think that's enough for a third-place finish in the American League Central, but that's not a playoff team. They're not a playoff team. Now, don't get me wrong. There would no. be nothing more that would make me happier than being wrong about them like I was in 2016 when they went to the World Series. I mean, you look at that opening day lineup, and like you'd never think that a team that had Marlon Bird, Jose, or not Jose, Juan Uribe, and Colin Cowgill in your starting lineup oh on opening gosh. day was going to go seven games in the World Series. I'd have died if you'd told me that. Yeah, luckily, Naquin showed up and Jose and Chisenhall and everyone else. I mean, but you think about that. The Chis kid was hurt was to start that good. season. Yeah. Man, it just makes you wonder. that That's the season that we need to do at some point this offseason, talk about that year, because the fact we also – we, like, we had Brantley on the DL. If we had him in the World Series, we might have we might have gotten it done. Unfortunately, I have a joke that been. I could make that's not very family-friendly, so I will refrain it this time. <laughs> but um, I, oh, I think that there are a lot of things that could have happened – that season that could have been a break that could change the narrative of how hard it is to be a Cleveland sports fan. But ultimately here we are. Yep. No, I, I agree. But you know, we're going to wrap this show because I know the Browns just started probably about. Yeah. My dad's ago, So I know you got yeah, my dad's get, dancing get, upstairs against something good must've happened. Yeah. It was a one-handed interception. <laughs> no, I got you. But... Oh, uh, whoever Stewart Jr. Who got is, it? I don't know who he is. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We got him. We got him in a trade this year, I think, from Buffalo. I don't know, but it's time wanna, to I'm it is time to go up and watch the game. So, Amari, where can we find all your content? Amari, you can find all my content on my Twitter page. That's Amari underscore M seventeen. Uh, I just got brought on to write for the Cavs, the Fear the Sword blog. So you can catch me writing about the Cavs for the rest of the season. Um, follow my link to my bio. You can find all my other blog posts about pretty much every other sport except curling. It's an inside joke between me and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, You're going to be the best curling beat reporter in the league. Yeah, Don't worry. You know, he just told me to start covering that because the Olympics are coming up, <laughs> so I might have to start doing that. 
There's an Olympics channel. Uh, We were watching it the other night. We were watching uh, downhill giant slalom. Oh, my goodness. Men's and women's. (laughs) All right. So, um, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me at Matheny underscore six. That's at M-E-T-H-E-N-E-Y underscore and the number six. Um, hopefully I'll have some more music related stuff to put up in addition to the sports stuff going on right now. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty busy week musically for me as well, but, uh, where can we find your stuff on the interwebs, Zach? Uh, yeah, you can find me on my personal at Rye Tribe 22, R-Y-T-R-I-B-E 22, and you can find us at Rock and Jake on Twitter. You know, we we post somewhat on there, but mostly it's our personals. But you know, check that out and make sure to subscribe on you know Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a five star rating and leave a review. We'll might you might talk about it on the show. And Amari, man, thank you so much for coming on again. We you know I know it was kind of impromptu to have you know asking you a couple of days ago to jump on, but really appreciate you jumping on again, man, to talk about the trade and. The roster and stuff. So, of course, thank you guys you know, for uh, coming on tonight. I'm always down for coming on with you guys. Another great show. I know it was a little bit shorter than other shows, but we do have a playoff game to watch. So, go Brownies. We'll make it up to you sometime yeah, for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it up to you. All right. Well, hope everyone has a great. For sure, no doubt. But hope everyone has a great night. Hopefully the Browns win. Once everyone does listen to this podcast, will probably be Monday after the Browns game. So hopefully the Browns win. And until next weekend, we'll see you here at Rockin' at the Jake.